This is Inksteads on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Mr. Dustin Harbin of the famous Darbin Comics and Diary Comics. And I couldn't find the Project Superior, was it, you were in? My comics yeah, are a bit of a mess right now. Project Superior number three, yeah. Who else? No, was no, no, th- not Project Superior, uh, Superior Showcase. Superior Showcase, there we go. Who else was in that one? Is that the that one with one Laura? That one the one with the Laura Park story. And then Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka at the beginning with the Street Angel story. That's good company. Yeah, and my my comic is really terrible too. So it is like triply mortifying now at that issue, um, and have to be with those people and be doing my worst work is uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. It would be like having your first published work be in an actual issue of Love and Rockets between a Jaime and Gilbert story. Um, sort of. Sort of. Is that sort. a statement? Sort of. I might be making Jim sound a little better than he actually is. We don't want to do that. No, I think enough people are doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's listening right now, cracking uh, his knuckles. I'm sure he stopped listening after you dissed his lettering on that uh, that one book. You want to know something? <laughs> we had dinner uh, maybe a week and a half after that. Uh-huh. It's all good. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. He... He, he, I don't think he would ever take offense to something like that. But when I was listening to it, I was cracking up. It's, uh, yeah, for, for folks that haven't listened, I interviewed Jim Rugg, I guess, in the spring. And uh, I had issues with the lettering in a project he was involved in, and I made no right. bones but about it. But it was, in your defense, it was cold, um, kind of uh, dimensionless lettering, but by design. That yeah. Was, that was... Jim wanted it that way, but it was funny how you got busted in the middle. I didn't like that stupid letter. <laughs> and you know, I still, I still stand by it. You know, it's. I'm that's sorry, fine. Jim. I mean, that's, that's fine. It's yeah. a part of the process. It's one, a part of the one process. One of the tools. Would you rather have an honest uh, ink studs or? Uh, I don't know. Maybe people don't want me to be honest. I didn't realize there were choices. What other kind of ink studs are available? Ah. <sighs> Let me let me get back to you on that. I'll I'll, I'll okay. set up a whole template form, and you That'd can choose nice. different yeah. options. I can, I don't know, I could do this show standing on my head. It'll. Do be... we have to talk about? Are we going to talk about Jim Rugg the whole time here now? Though. No. Okay, because I I've yeah I mean <laughs> I think we've covered it. That that's enough, Jim Rugg. Um, so I was saying you have the Darbin mini comics. I don't even yeah. like calling them mini comics because they don't. They're more than mini comics. Well, but they that's are a debate comics, right now. I mean, they're they're they're. I print them on my printer at home, and you know what I mean. I mean, they're they're a little larger than normal mini comics, but they're also overpriced. If that makes you feel better. There we go, overpriced. As well Joe as Lambert called me out on that one time. I said because my minis are kind of overpriced. He's like, seriously, they're way. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-four pages of black and white for five dollars is a travesty. When those guys, the the CCS guys, are doing like silk screen covers and oh. full color interiors, and they'll be like a buck fifty or something. Those I guys are. I don't think confident. anyone could really meet the uh, skills of a Joe Lambert in creating a mini comic. That seriously, it's uh, it's insane. He is amazing. Yep. Um, but your comics are good too. Uh, They're not bad. They're not bad. Also, you have uh, Diary Comics out from Koyama Press and the. Is it the Darbin Inquirer or Inquirer Darbin? I can't remember. It's the Inquirer Darbin. There we go. Which what? is named after the uh, hometown newspaper in Monroe, North Carolina, where I grew up, was called the Inquirer Journal. Ah. So nothing to do it's, with the uh, the rag of similar-sounding name. No, no, although that... Uh, no, no. Not really, but it's like... I mean, it gives a crap about the Monroe, North Carolina local <laughs> newspaper anyway. Hey, it's part of your culture. It's a very boring culture. <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina is a very, unless you like Walmart, it's a very boring place to grow up. Now let's jump into kind of getting into your comics because yeah, let's splash on in. Let's let's just jump in. Let's get wet. Um, let's mix it up, Robin. Let's rumble. Let's let's get it started. Uh, you're you're sharks. I'm jets. Really. Sorry, buddy. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. I'm more of the the greaser variety, personally, myself. No, you're not, Robin. I have a nice leather jacket. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> that pro- the, I'll keep you off balance until the very end. That's my goal. I'm gonna be crying by the end. Hopefully, we won't be able. We won't talk about comics at all. A bit. It'll just be West Side Story. You know, I've, for the next forty minutes. You know, I've never actually watched West Side Story. You know, I have to say, um, I'm not a fan of musicals really at all. But I love production. I, mean, I love the dance numbers. West Side Story is pretty amazing, especially that song. America, do you know this? I'm talking about. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That song, oof, it's amazing. Dude, you need your own musical. Um, the Superior Showcase. We were just talking about that. You're, uh, you're in. Was that your first printed comic, or did that come out after the Darbins? No, that was uh, that was the first. I, I, I'd been doing little comics on my site, but it was the first printed thing, and that was uh, Chris Pitzer. Invited me to put something in there, and me saying, uh, "I need, yeah, I need like twelve pages, Chris." He's like, "Okay, okay." And then me being super late, and if you read the story, it is you could almost tell that I'm trying to fill twelve pages. I'm like, "What am I? Th- what was I thinking?" Going from one pages to twelve pages, but uh, it's pretty bad. Have you tried twelve pages since? I have not. I'm not. Did it break you? Well, it's it's um. Um, I have a real when I make comics I have a real problem saying less you know what I mean yeah when I read comics I prefer less I prefer to say I prefer people who are saying less and letting the actual comics do the work it is a real challenge to do that myself um, and 12 pages is just 12 pages for a fart joke is too much <laughs> too many <laughs> that is 11 pages too many for a fart joke like if you read Laura's story in the same Thing. Like her story has a lot of subtext and just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of emotional resonance. Mine is like, how many different ways can I draw this fart cloud? Maybe I'll use this the, this consonant blend in doing the you know the onomatopoeia for fart. It was just uh, it was very humbling. I'm doing that now. I, I am planning longer comics, but they're like they're they're just quieter. You know what I mean? There's not all that talking and and uh, so forth. Well, I appreciate that. Um. Well, thank you. <laughs> for you, Robin. You're welcome. When did you decide that you wanted to make your own comics? You'd been working in a comic store since, what, 18? Was that right? Uh, since I was 21. 21, sorry. Nine, 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I, um, gosh, you know, I don't know. Someone asked me that recently, and I'm a very self-centered person who will talk about himself to distraction and was shocked to realize that I didn't really know the answer to that. It was a few years ago. It was maybe 2004, 2005, something like that. And uh, and just started making little comics um, and then have just steadily made more comics. It was very, I never really made comics when I was younger. I never really, I drew, but I didn't draw a lot. I didn't pursue, I don't have any schooling, I'm a high school dropout, those, it just kind of organically started happening. Had you been... Not one of those stories where people say, I've always been making comics, even when I was three, blah, 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 I never really did that. Well, that, and that's kind of the vibe I got um, from kind of researching your work and seeing what I could find available. It it seemed like I hadn't practiced very much. This guy clearly has only been doing it a few years. No, you can usually find... uh, People have older work hidden somewhere, right, right. And I didn't find that. What so. else did you find in your in your internet search on me? Well, we're focusing on this question first. Okay, <laughs> all right. You uh, can you private message me uh, after the phone call. I got nothing scandalous. Yeah, <sighs> pretty straight laced. You you are you're very straight laced. Maybe I'm it's, very straight laced. I take great pride in it, except for linking to pornography accidentally once in a while. Very straight laced. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Um, what I was asking is about as far as your process into starting to do comics, you're pretty prolific in your sketchbooking. Had you been doing sketchbooking for quite a while before that as a nope. pastime or I had sketchbooks, but they were it's, even now as much as I draw now, it takes me like two years to fill up one sketchbook because I draw pretty small. But um, my old sketchbooks only go back to maybe 2001, 2002. Um, 
It it really is a pretty recent thing. All right. I don't know why. <laughs> what well, what is it that's really pulled you into really? I mean, this is your life now. You've put everything aside as far as work, and this is comics. What was it that really drove you into uh, moving towards that? That's a good question. The um, I would say in large part, for one thing, uh, working for a convention for years and seeing people come every year and develop their own stuff. And maybe let people uh, know what a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, until this year, until a few months ago, was one of the organizers. Well, I at least worked. I worked for Shelton Drum organizing HeroesCon. It makes it sound like I was a, a boss, but I was really like the second in command. It's his show, but um, of Heroes Convention in Charlotte and its component uh, in the island. So I developed relationships over the years with a lot of uh, creators who would come, you know, and and over the 15 years I worked there would turn from like uh, up and comers into you know, regular full-timers into kind of stars um, over time, which was kind of interesting. But also you see how people um, develop their art and they're making minis, you know, they're, they're like, well, I'm going to do this show, so I need to make a book to have something to sell, therefore I have to think of something to make a book about, therefore, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a weird, reflexive, uh, creative process that was kind of interesting. And going to small press shows, I was just talking about this on... Uh, Twitter recently with Drew Wine, um, who I think I met him in Eleanor in 2005 at FTX, and they had this booth that was amazing, and had this little gumball machine fish um, that had tiny little mini comics in it. You'd put your quarter or fifty cents in or whatever, and, and that would come a little mini comic. It was amazing. I just was like, man, I want to be doing. Look at these little inmate fussy. Um, OCD objects that Drew's making mm-hmm. it was very much the way my mind works as well. I was like, I want to, I could do this. I want to be doing this. Um, it's the the. I'm not really a big do-it-yourselfer. I mean, I like to do it myself, but I'm not part of that uh, creative movement. But the the egalitarian um, accessibility of making mini comics, um, just as a means of practice. Mm-hmm. One day do something more finished. Like I'm just going to make a ton of mini comics until I get good enough to pitch a story for this or to write my own graphic novel or whatever. You know, I'm going to make all my mistakes on these little tiny things, which is kind of where I'm at right now, making mistakes. <laughs> I made fart fart joke mistake. Got that out of my system. Now I'm working out some uh, some slightly more advanced mistakes. Well, I mean, there's uh, some people that believe you need you have so many pages in you before you really hit your stride to kind of work out your kinks. Yeah, I believe that for sure. There was a um, a thing uh, one time when I was kind of early on uh, starting to draw and was trying to master the brush, which by itself is a ridiculous statement. I was trying to master the brush, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like a kind of arrogant. And I was complaining to Paul Pop about it. I said, because who has this amazing brush stroke, right? Yeah. So I would look at his stuff and be like, I'm just never going to get here. I just give up. I don't have that in me, so screw it. I'm spend my time doing something I'm more capable of, and I would complain about it. And he'd say, listen, Dusty, I got, you know, Dave Sim has a great quote where he said, your first thousand or ten thousand brush strokes are crap. You know, just forget about them. Put them out of your mind. Um which I thought was really great advice. Like, just go ahead and fully expect that everything you do is going to be, if not crap, then at least suspect. Yeah. You know, at, at least you can't expect it to be amazing. Um, and then one day it'll be like, huh, that line looks really good. That was exactly as juicy and weighted as I wanted that line to be. Well, and it's not... And then, it's not fair to be comparing yourself to someone who had gone to art school and also had done work in Japan and all these other things going in. Well, I, I see your point, and I, I agree, but I also um, am a humanist and an optimist, and, I, and as such, I think it is very fair to compare yourself to this. It's very fair to look at a Milk page and be like, I want to get that good. Yeah, I want to be able to do that one day, rather than you know, does that make well, sense? Well, you, know, you you can and you can get to the point. What I'm saying is, like, as someone who's still relatively new 
to yeah, to, yeah. to doing this with these. You know, yeah, it's, after a week. Yeah. Well, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I'm no, sure no, there's right. there's probably about 500 Paul Pope pages that we'll never see of just him working out his stuff. You know. He has vast, huh? Vast stores of uh, of stuff that no one ever sees. It's mind-boggling. The stuff that, um, yeah, like why he glacially is is slowly making his uh, his various books and whatnot. There are all these little side things that, that never get seen or published, and then so much time goes by. He's like, oh, I can't, I can't put that out. That's old. That's <laughs> like five years old. <laughs> it's terrible now. I Anyway. Anyway, back to you, Dustin. Yeah, let's talk about. Let's talk about you. Your favorite subject, you. One thing I'm curious is like having been involved in comics. Um, one one thing you're writing about is how you kind of had to hide the fact that you're trying to do comics, or not hide, but you kind of felt. I didn't have to. I chose to. Yeah. I was never asked to or anything. Um, I kind of chose to from a vanity standpoint too. Hmm. Um. Does that make sense? Did I cut your question off in the middle? No, of the, no, you did not cut it off. I was so eager to talk about me, I just couldn't <laughs> wait to start. No, the uh, I did it. I may I worked for a convention, and I I met and hung out with artists all the time, and I take a certain amount of pride in not being too needy uh, around them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so that they can relax a little bit. So I'm taking some artists out to dinner. I'm not going to pull a stack of, of vendors out and be like, hey, Mr. Bendis, can you sign these books real quick so I can put them on eBay? That sort of thing. Um, and to that end, uh, pulling out my own primitive comics and being like, hey, Mr. Bendis, would you like to read some <laughs> really crazy comics about farts? Um, it would be kind of like pulling a script out if you're waiting on Clint Eastwood's table, you know, in, in Brown Derby or something. Mr. Eastwood, I, I know that you get this a lot, but would you like to read my spec, more of my script, and, and maybe produce it as a film and make me rich? No pressure. No big deal. Just so. do it. But when I did start, when people started seeing the comics, because um, I didn't really advertise it much, they would just see it by accident, and uh, I did get a lot of very uh, pleasant uh, mail about it, basically to the fact that I can't believe you never said anything about this um that's pretty cool do you know what i mean yeah it's like a it was i knew kind of knew that would happen too so it was like a it wasn't altruistic it was more like a when you know when someone wants to say something about it they will and it'll be a lot cooler then if it's like oh yeah yeah that is um oh i get it the fart is coming out of his butt oh that is a, it's a good joke yeah okay i'll just okay. let people know that dustin's comics uh are more than just fart jokes um, but fart jokes are included. Not as much anymore. Not as much. Still about twenty percent, I'd say. It's a good, it's a good balance. <laughs> no, well, about twenty percent of my day is spent. Well, never mind. You need more fiber, boy. More fiber. Um, one thing that strikes me is, I mean, you're very, you're kind of a personality, um, charismatic guy. Yeah, gorgeous. Wait. That, was I finishing your sentence? You were, in fact. Go you were. ahead. No, I. You cool. know, I've talked to ladies, and they've they've said, you know, your charisma is part of your attraction. Uh, my yeah. own lady says you're a very attractive man with your charisma, and blah blah blah. Really? Tell me her name again. Hands off, dude. Oh, hands off, dude. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, her name's actually it's Katie. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. There's so many kids in the world. Yeah. It's crazy. In Vancouver, we have five guys named Robin. Oh, and one lady. Huh. All in the comic scene. Used to be two. Back to how gorgeous Robins. I am, Robin. Back to how gorgeous. So I, I'm just kind of curious, um, especially with doing the diary comics now as your kind of your primary publication stuff that you're pushing. How do you do? You try and find a balance between putting your personality in there and trying to put the comics in there as speaking for themselves. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think so much about the personality part as much. Um, I mean, I dial it up. You know, I, make, I when I have the opportunity to make myself look stupid, I take it because mm-hmm. those are those are invariably the better comps than the ones like. Most of them are really dull anyway. You know, they're like oh, I've lettered all day today, and tomorrow, and <laughs> the next day. Um, 
But the ones that are interesting that people like contact me about are usually the ones where I like fall on my face or say something stupid or whatnot. Um, I think more about the privacy part than I do the personality part because I'm actually really, really private. Mm-hmm. So the there's a lot of stuff that um, that I think very carefully about how to to put out. You know, you're kind of creating a fictional persona when you do an autobio comic. You obviously are not you're actually yourself. You're, it's like your weird recursive telling a story about yourself with a made-up version of yourself narrating the own, its own story. You know what I mean? It's very odd mix of things that goes into that. You're, and you're drawing yourself in a fake way. So that is also not quite true. Like, nothing's quite true. Mm-hmm. It's not um, like you're drawing yourself like an elf or anything, though. Well, I mean, I kind of am. Like, you're talking about Kachalkas? It's yeah. very, I mean, I draw myself with these massive ears. Um, everything very much exaggerated. Um, I mean, it does look like me. I really do look like that. I get that a lot. Um, but it is uh, it is definitely easier to draw like that, like as a as weird, um, almost avatar, rather than something that looks like a real human, than it is to say... Um, I think it's part of the remove, especially when I talk about stuff like depression or anything negative. It's, it's nice to have a remove where, well, these things are happening to this fake version of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it feels a little less um, uh, navel gazy and a little less a little less uh, exposed. Self-pitying. It feels very exposed. I don't know. It feels less exposed, and that's not something I really enjoy. But it is really healthy. Like I really enjoy working through the artistic problems that figuring out how to get across the idea of, of like you know being at the bottom of something physically. Does that make sense? Yep. Like wrestling with something that you don't understand is a really hard concept to get across um, artistically, and it's something that pretty much everyone has a problem with on some level, with some issue. Um, So it feels very valid to do that. Um, I'm sure in another year I'll be like, oh, my God, (laughs) I can't believe I did. Oh, my God, please stop looking at me. <laughs> Start wearing a mask to conventions. Um, buying back copies of Diary Comics from people, like uh, Chris Ware in his first book, the uh, Boyd Farland. Yeah, which someone I think I have a copy of. I used to have a few copies of it. Uh, I think they got gone. We'll just change the topic now. Uh, I don't even know if he likes people talking about it all. You talk. What are you afraid of, Chris Ware? I 
I wanted to continue the thoughts we had before um, and talking about working through issues with Autobio or of okay. Diary Comics and I'm wondering if there's like a cathartic element to it for yourself um I don't know I mean you've read them they're not that dramatic you know what I mean like no. I don't know if I come to any re great realizations or anything and my problems aren't that they're fairly mundane like I have different problems here and there but also I have a pretty good life in, in most respects you know I'm very fortunate I have a gorgeous girlfriend um, I have the respect of my peers I mean there's a lot of things that I have that that, um, that I've lucked into mm -hmm. um, and lucking into depression is just, just the payoff I think but the um, um, I think there's there are moments of artistic catharsis where it's like by, by setting something down like the real value of these diary comics to me is a practice it's just more shitty comics wait I shouldn't say that you can edit that if you need to we're in Canada it's okay my friend it's well, okay well I just don't like swear in public whatnot. please disregard that earlier cuss language everybody um but the uh, uh um they're just more crappy comics that have gotten out of my system but also the by um whether it's something good or bad by setting it down on paper um, it kind of removes it from you a little bit. It makes it a little easier to look at and examine and say, oh, okay, well, that's not that big a deal. Like, the, the originals for those diary strips are about four inches across, which is tiny. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a problem, you set it in a little square that big and set it on your drawing table and say, oh, okay, I'll scan that in the morning. The problem is it looks very surmountable in that form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's very easy to look at that and dismiss it and say, you know what, I need to just get out of my own butt with all this and you know, whatever get on fix, <laughs> fix some things or or uh, eat dinner or whatever it is you need to do your day and stop worrying about your own stupid problems do you so do you let doing the diary comics affect what you do at all does, does it kind of change when you look back at certain things and kind of see activities in your life how do you mean I don't know <laughs> that um, doesn't change how I do things except it makes me pay attention more like uh, like last night my friend Elroy um, we went to see him play a show and we were talking after we were having a great time he's like man I, you know, I, reading your comics is, really reminds me how little we actually interact anymore because I never show up in them which <laughs> makes me sad he said and I was like well that's, that's an interesting interesting way to look at it but in, that, in my mind, I was thinking, hmm, I should take note of this conversation for a diary comic because I don't think anything else interesting has happened today. Um, so only in that in that sense. But um, I really don't like doing the diary comics very much, and we'll probably stop at the end of the year. Um, yeah. Because they're too much. That's, they all take about an hour to an hour and a half to make, which is time I could be spending making real actual comics. Do you know what I mean? That was something I was curious about is how it's affecting your workload because I was looking through your site and I definitely see a drop off of anything <laughs> else other yeah, than yeah, diary yeah. comics. Um, yes, exactly. Including stories or one story stopped halfway through. Yeah, that Poison Ivy story is right in the middle. Although, like, and it's about to get super depressing, that story, too, so it makes it even harder to pick it back up. Like, oh, man. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be fun. Um... Uh, Yes, so that is a problem. But it's a good, I mean, for one thing, um, doing the diary comics has gotten, if you read that book, they get, the art is pretty terrible at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't really thinking about publication at the beginning. It was just, Kate Beaton was like, um, hey, everybody, you should do diary comics. I'll try that. That sounds like a good idea. Um, and and as, as because I'm naturally kind of OCD, they just got cleaner and cleaner. 
Um, and so now I'm making them on little pieces of Bristol board, and I rule out panel borders and all that. Um, so there's a lot of great practice in it, but even more importantly is that through um, the, those are something that people can read every day, which is a little better for web comments than updating intermittently. Yeah. And also that somehow brought me to the attention of Ann Koyama, which has been a bizarrely uh, beneficial um, meeting uh, for me, um, not only uh, just in having someone support what I'm doing, but uh, just the, I mean, this is awesome. Mm. Um, You're in good company. Nice yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great vote of confidence, if nothing else, to have someone with with uh, taste and the resources to back it up say, I like what you're doing, and I want to put, you know, I want to support that. I want to help you, you do what you're doing more, which is uh, it's, it's kind of dizzying, actually. Well, I think it, it, it's it's really neat when you see, when you get published by a publisher and just see who your peers are in that and kind of gives you a context of what you're working in? I guess, but her... I, most of the people that she publishes are so different mm -hmm. from me, which I like. I mean, I, I'm a fan of a lot of... Like, I love John Vermilion. Is it Vermilion? Is how you say Vermilion, yeah. And then, of course, Michael DeForge, who, like, I think Luz and uh, David King's Lemon Style are the two books this, this year, neither of which is a big graphic novel or anything. Which like literally made my brain explode when I read them. Like, oh my god! Like these these have both of those books just changed the way I viewed comics and the way I was making comics, the way I was reading comics. Um, so good. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like Michael and I don't have that much in common. Um, um, well, I don't thematically, think, I guess. I don't think many of the people that she publishes have a lot in common necessarily, which mm -hmm. is good. Like, it's not like you know, early 1990s fanographics all kind of had the same look, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid painting myself in the corner and then, you know how it is. Well, I, mean, I said I that. I can't believe you forgot about blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I know, I know what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, it's your, you know, Michael and uh, John's books and the Tim Can Forest book that's coming out. And the uh, is it Aaron Lighton, the other book she published, so. and yeah, then yeah. there's that big news. That's news a windy. Is it no? It's Spirit City. Yeah, that's a windy city. That's terrible. Oh. I need to take my Koyama stripes off my sleeve in shame. That's okay. Spirit City, Toronto, I think. Yeah, it is. And she also did this really crazy newspaper. I forget the name of the guy who did the work in it. She published. It's really odd and amazing. Oh, but yeah, it, it's all completely different. Why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, about Miss Koyama? Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to. I, yeah, the her story. I had. I kind of asked her permission to make sure I didn't invade her privacy too much. But I really at SPX this past, I guess two weekends ago, um, Steve Wolfhard, another amazing cartoonist, and he has I a book coming out from Koyama. Yeah, yeah, from Koyama as well. He also doesn't have much in common with the others although maybe he has some in common with me or at least I would love to ape his style as possible <laughs> maybe more properly I have some things in common with Steve I'm an enormous fan of <laughs> but we were talking we were telling this Ankoyama story um, at various hotel room parties and the bar and whatnot, and no one really knew it which surprised me I thought it was more common knowledge but here is this is how um, Ankoyama and I met and she ended up publishing my, with Diary Comics number one um, when at TCAT this past year, um, I was at my table and the I Toronto Comic Art Festival, the Toronto Comic Art Festival Arts, I think it's Arts Festival. Yes, um, which is uh, possibly the greatest uh, comic convention uh, of all time. It's just an amazing, amazing event, which I could not say enough good things about if I had three hours just to talk about it. But um, that unreserved and enthusiastic praise aside I'm sitting there at my table with a hangover I'm hawking my little dollar newspaper and Ann comes up she's like hmm, hmm, hmm. oh yes I wanted to meet you blah 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 Michael DeForge told me about you and she says I'd like to buy one of everything which is very nice anyway I'm like oh yes right away miss okay 
here you go, would you like this, would you like that? And then a couple months later, I get an email from her and it says, hey, this is uh, Ann Cleon we met at um, TCAF. Um, would you be interested in working together um, to publish something? And I'm very, <sighs> sorry, I'm getting out of breath. I keep walking around my house. Um, I'm, a, I'm a real control freak and I'm very careful about like who I work with and and, uh, and what that means, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Like I'm really interested in money, but I'm I'm too snobby to worry about it as much as I should. So like working with Chris Pitts is a new trainer. He's amazing. It's embarrassing that I did terrible work for him, but I would I would jump at the chance to work with him again forever. Um, but I was like with Anne, I was like, hmm. Oh, well, let's uh, let's talk about it. I guess we can look at. It. And she says, okay, well, before we talk about it, I should tell you what my deal is. This is how I do business. And she basically, um, she's not really a publisher in the normal sense. What she does is she pays to produce um, work, whatever the work is, um, and then keeps like this tiny slice of the print run, essentially to send out to her other artists and for review copies and promotional purposes. Like She doesn't recoup any costs. And she sells the book for you. I mean, it's crazy. It's what? Like, when she was explaining it, it, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is like one of these, this is like a snake oil salesman. Like, I can't overstate how beneficial for the artist her deal is. Um, and it was, it was literally like, and then she's like, and you, um, all I ask in return is that you, you know, mention Kriyama Press on your website or put it in a book or something like that, like super easy stuff. Um, and that was it. And then, so I'll be mentioning on um, Twitter or something. Oh, actually, I'm skipping ahead. So then I asked her, I was like, well, this doesn't, if you forgive me, this doesn't make any business sense at all. Um, like, why Why should I, What? what's the catch here? And yeah. Apparently, man, I'm getting really out of breath. The story is just so exciting. <laughs> um, apparently, she um, used to do some. She was a film producer, and she did some day trading, and through various odds and ends, she made um, a small pot of money at some point. And then she got diagnosed with some medical problems, which put her, which laid her up for a little bit. And she parlayed the money into a little more money, like I guess amusing herself. Um, <laughs> And then decided at some point, she's like, man, if I had these medical problems, you know, she's at a point in her life where she's like, you know, kind of, uh, I'm sure how to put it, like, uh, you get self-examined, you know what I mean? An epiphany? Or, or, well, like one person might say, man, I've got these medical problems, I really need to live life to its fullest, I'm going to climb Mount Everest, you know, I'm going to visit Machu Picchu, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, um, I'm going to have breakfast at Tiffany's, whatever. Um, and Anne said, hmm, man, I need to examine my life. I think I'm going to spend all my money supporting artists. And she just, <laughs> from the sound of it, she just went out and started picking artists she really liked and wanted to support. You'll notice that, that there, it's not like she's going after big names. No. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, Dan Clouds, really like to publish your next book. It's all like people that will benefit. If you'll notice, all the people publishes, with the possible exception of Vermilia, um, are people that are at a cusp in their careers. Like The Forge is a great example. Well, he's so... Lou's looks so amazing, it's so well done, and it's gotten so much press, and that's really put him in a different um, bracket, mm -hmm. you know, as far as, like, uh, how many people know about him, the kind of people that are looking at his comics, art directors, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's really pushed him to a... a, a it, the kind of kick in the pants that really can separate you from someone that, that's a hobbyist uh, and then someone who is looking at comics as their career and that is invaluable like I just can't I can't say like how valuable it is to have six or seven cases of diary comics in my office that are mine there's no cut you know it's not like I need to, to show her tax records at some point and then we'll figure out the split if I decide to sell the movie rights to my autobiography, comic, there's no, there's no rights, you know, if I decided to republish it, if I decided, if, if I wanted to publish with another person, I asked her about that, I was like, hmm, suspicious. 
what if I wanted to do this with so-and-so? They're like, oh, that's great. I'd love to help. Just let me know how, who can I send a letter to? Can, she's just like a, she's an altruistic, um, um, as much an agent as a publisher. Yeah. She's a patron. Uh, I'm uh, sorry, I get kind of excited. Well, no, I think, uh, I'll let you have a little breath there. I think patron is the, the right uh, phrase to use. And also, like, the example of uh, Michael, who is quite young still. I mean, he's 23 now. He's 22 when, I, 22, so when I, 22 when I interviewed him in the spring, and that was when he had lose number two out. So, you know, he had to have been, like, what, 19, 20, working on lose number one? Um, probably. He seems like the kind of guy that's probably pretty fast, though, seeing the illustration stuff he does and how bizarrely detailed it is. There was about a year between one and two, between the issues. Was it really? Out. Yeah, I think so. I just got them both at TCAP, so I'm, I'm still relatively new to his comic work as such. Yeah. I, I remember it coming into one of the Vancouver's finer comic stores and uh, Lucky's Comics. Hi, guys. Um, and seeing it there quite a while ago, and it was really blown away. Just, where the hell did this come from? And, Man, uh, that dude. Sick. That book, really amazing. Sick. Well, congratulations on the, the book coming out from Koyama. Um, it is a lovely one, and they are lovely books. Uh, working on Diary Comics, I'm wondering what some of your... Uh, Actually, before we jump into that, I'm just going to kind of remind folks who we're talking to. This is uh, Dustin Harbin I'm talking to on Inkstead, CITR 11.9 FM. And we were just talking about uh, Anne Koyama and her uh, wonderful publishing ways. Um, and yeah, she's just a great lady. A great lady. Uh, Dustin has Diary Comics, book one out from her. Is it book one? Number one. Number well, one. Well, I just say number one, yeah. Um, this is how I roll because it is a state. It's a statement of fact. It's not just an enumeration. It it's is number one. That it is the number one um, comic in America right now. And America's number one. Yeah, yeah. Not. I'm not speaking <laughs> for Canada. I'm not speaking. I'm greedy. America's. I'm happy with America. All right. What were some of your influences in creating Diary Comics? Influences in making my autobiography comics. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm, like, who, who have you gone to that's kind of, you kind of taken from or kind of learned from how to really boil your day down? Or not say boil your day down, but find those moments that you okay. see as important. That's, yeah. Yeah, the, um, yeah, I think I would have more influences, less visually and more, like, compositionally. And probably chief among those is Kate Beaton, who, who literally I was following her suggestion in starting it to begin with. But also she, if you see her... Um, she posts little comics on Twitter, which I think she collects. She collects sometimes and puts on her live journal, but they're real short, quick, um, almost gestural comics that perfectly capture little moments. She's very good at not saying, and here's the day, here's the start of the day and the end of the day, and then some things happen. She's good at isolating one moment and kind of indicating the rest of time, like, uh, like in the background, you know what I mean? Um, so I think about those a lot. I think about Ryan Pecklin's comics a lot, too, um, who I'm a, a big fan of and who, as I draw in a dots for eyes style, especially for the diary comp, I end up very often looking at something and be like, God, this is a straight Ryan Pecklin steal. <laughs> Everyone's going to know it. Oh, whatever. They're too, it's too small to, to do anything else, and dots for eyes is a style that I, I like a lot. So. You're kind of a champion it, of his work. I, well, yeah, I mean, um, I'm a champion of everything I like. I take a lot of pride in being a snob and having <laughs> opinions and and feeling passionate about them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And Ryan Pecklin's uh, comments are just, um, I believe, uh, they are effing awesome. Uh, three-word phrase. Say what? Three-word phrase. Yes, threewordphrase.com, friends and neighbors, if you're not already familiar with these. Um, I did send a funny story. I sent a review copy of Diary Comics to Tom Spurgeon, who um, who I like a lot, whose side I read regularly. Um, and then in the box at the last minute, I made some um, mini comics for Ryan to sell SPX, and I chucked one in there because I didn't think a lot of Tom's readers were familiar with Ryan. Like his his yeah. fame is a little bit. Um, it's like uh, it's he's. He's pretty famous, but like on Twitter and on the internet, 
not as, as to maybe Spurgeon's larger comics reading um, group readership. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So like I should send Spurgeon one of these things, and I sent it to him and sent him an email, being like, "Oh, this thing I just stuck in there is my friend Ryan Pecklin. I think you should read his comics; they're really good." And he emailed back. Um, he had just gotten the package. He says, "It takes a very confident man to put something that funny." into a package with his own car. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh. Uh, it was, but it was true. I mean, it was when I was putting it in there, I was like, hmm, how is this going to affect the review of my comic? Which has, uh, to date, not been reviewed yet, so it may have affected it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, knowing, uh, knowing Tom, he's punishing you. <laughs> or something. <laughs> Making you wait. Know. No. He's a good man. Uh, Do- Tom Spurgeon's one of the f- one of those folks where I very rarely, very 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 rarely disagree with one of his points. When he, I feel like I disagree with him commonly, or at least in terms of his the the volume of his points. Like he will make a point very almost cruelly sometimes, which is part of the reason I like his site. He's very matter of fact. Yeah. But oftentimes it's like, hmm. Um, but he is so good at putting his points across. And he is good at uncovering un, unexamined like vectors of a, of an issue, like um, like when people talk about numbers, like cartoonists are all poor, or cartoonists who get movies made are all rich. Like he'll look at like the vast gray area between those two poles yeah. in a way that I think all the bloggers don't always take the time to do. Nope. But back to me. Back to you. Enough spurge. <laughs> how you you talk a little bit about depression, and I'm wondering how having these comics working on how that has that been a creative has having that creative outlet helped you as far as working through dark moments um it hasn't it hasn't in that the um this is a little tricky to talk about just because i never really talk about it so i don't i don't have i'm not practiced at it so forgive me if i stumble a little bit that's all right but um I don't have a I don't have the kind of depression that's like my life sucks and I'm in a rut. Uh, my life's pretty great, beside being kind of penniless, having quit my long full time job to be a cartoonist of all things, knowing full well, seeing years and years and years <laughs> of examples of people making the same stupid mistake and thinking that I I will be different. I will make it work. But um it's more a physical thing. So it's like a you know what I mean? Like, it just kind of happens. There's not much to do about it. Um, Besides, like, maybe work out or, like, do something to change your blood chemistry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and I'm way behind on diary comic. I'm usually about three weeks to a month behind. Like, the one I just posted this morning is from, I think, August 25th, 24th, 25th, something like that. So, like, a full month behind. So, I'm way removed from the moment which is kind of nice because the last thing I want to make a comic about while I'm in the middle of the funk is that funk. Well, it's kind of like uh, smelling the... Well, that's a little too gross. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not <laughs> necessarily meaning... Spe- I don't mean specifically the diary comics, but working on comics itself, working on your art and your craft. Um, huh. Um, as an outlet. It um well as in well maybe you know I'm a um this is the thing I always wonder about artists because I'm I'm I feel like I'm a naturally creative person like whatever I do I'm gonna try and put some kind of creative juice into it just because I enjoy that so when I think of things being an outlet I don't always think of it in that in those terms because the 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 it's not so much that I have a need to create things it's just how I'm naturally wired. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So it's the most natural thing in the world to, especially someone who naturally talks about himself, <laughs> to make comics about himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also the most lazy thing in the world. Hmm, I can't think of a really interesting, compelling story beside this 12-page flark joke. Um, but I can talk about myself for um, a few hours a day, every day, for an entire year. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I think of it as an outlet so much as just a way of flexing a muscle that is very enjoyable to flex. Okay. I know that's not much of an answer, but I wasn't, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I promise the next time you ask it, I will have thought about it a lot more. 
But I mean, give me like 10 minutes or so. <laughs> I'll just hang up and call you back, okay? Right, right, right. right. No. Um, Hi, Robin, yes. Hey. Now, lettering. You are a letter obsessive, a literary. Yes, I am now a letter, but yes. Before that, I'm you a were. Particular letter. Uh, lettering on Casanova, relettering it. Yes. When did the uh, lettering bug first hit you? Well, I'm a real anal dude, so it's naturally, I mean, it's easy. I'm sure that anyone that enjoys lettering can can talk about the experience of looking at old comics and noticing that the the you know the horizontal strokes are fatter than the vertical strokes. What does that mean, and how do they make their S's and all that kind of stuff, like typographical nerd stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never I've been interested in lettering professionally, um, and Matt Fraction came to me who. Uh, he and I used to work together and have been friends for a long time. Um, and he said, hey, would you be interested in relettering Casanova when it comes out in color? Um, and I was like, oh, sure, yeah. Um, but I wasn't, I had never been like uh, planning on pursuing a career in lettering. As I, I made a point to someone at the time where they're like, man, you finally broken into comics. And I said um, that breaking into comics or break, breaking into comics by lettering is like breaking into porn by fluffing. Like it's just the least, <laughs> the least glamorous way to get your foot in the door of an industry. You know uh, I mean? Yep. I broke into the racing industry by being one of those swimsuit chicks that holds up the uh, the little ad cards in the infield of the racetrack. Um, but I enjoy it. I'm very I'm uh, I'm a Virgo. I'm anal retentive, and I enjoy making real tiny little marks and being cities about it and so forth. It is a bizarre amount of work um, to do in this digital age, though, so I often have second thoughts about that just from a time standpoint. It's, I'm not very fast at anything, so um, it takes me a long time to do a whole issue of Casanova. I've busted pretty much every deadline I've had on that so far, which is a source of great shame. Hang your head, Darbin. I do, head. I do. I just finished issue four, um, um, and since I'm the last person in the production schedule, the issue, if I bust a deadline, the deadline's busted. You know what I mean? There's yeah. not a person behind me that can speed up to make up my time. So, I mean, that's my problem to deal with, though. It's, it's not, there's not a, there's no one else to blame it on either. It's your cost. You, Robin. It's my fault. I'll take the blame. I'm fine with that. Um, Appreciate it, Robin. Yeah. One thing I've noticed, like, especially going through your uh, your sketchbook, um, is like you're always constantly lettering things. Like you'll have just pages of just writing or just formatting, which I find really fascinating. Well, that's just my handwriting, though. That's not lettering. No, it's just you that's looking just fancy. Me jotting things down. Yeah, yeah, I just I write very small and neat generally. Um. Uh. uh um. Okay. And in my sketchbooks, most of that writing you see is probably ideas for comics or. You know, I used to write long little essay things in there, but it's just too. The computer is just too easy to type all that stuff and put it on my blog. Guys, 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 this is what I think about this movie. Guys, guys, have you heard of Bob Dylan? You know, whatever it is that I feel like I need to share an opinion on. And now it's Twitter. Oh man! Well, I'm I'm gonna, I'm trying. I'm really trying to to change my Twitter style because I tweet so much. I'm just a real slut with it. Um, a tweet slut. And I, I am a tweet slut, and which is annoying when, when other people that I follow on Twitter tweet too much. It gets right up in my butt. I'm like, God, Zilla, this person. Ah, the worst of the worst. I actually had and someone then, give give me crap for tweeting with you too much. They got sick of following both of us. They were for <laughs> you and I tweeting back and forth at each other. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When you get in a conversation, too, then anyone that follows both of you is like, oh, man, I'm, I really don't need to know everything about that season of Battlestar Galactica or whatever, you know, like whatever yeah. banal thing you're talking about. So I'm, gonna try to, I'm trying to move my um, opinions into blog posts, which makes you examine the time it takes and mm-hmm. then forces you to say, well, that opinion wasn't sharing in the first place. Which I think it's probably a healthy 
thing in most cases on the internet to just shut up anyway. So if folks want to check out Dustin's Twitter, it's twitter.com slash Dustin Harbin, H-A-R-B-I-N. Yes, B is in balls. Balls. Can you say balls on Canadian radio? Oh, we could say so many things that would blow your mind. Hmm. H-A-R-B-I-N, B is in blow Robin's mind. So, when will we see more longer form from you, Dustin? We talked a little bit about it. Um, well, I think I'm probably this year going to pitch some things to some larger publishers um, and continue making those memoir comics, which mm-hmm. will ultimately be a long group of short stories. So that's probably as close as I have to a longer thing, beside like a couple of ideas. I really kind of want to make kids' comics um, because cause I enjoyed kids' comics and would I would enjoy making a story that was really like I was just uh, speaking of Twitter. Uh, Steve Wolfhard posted this morning this uh, squirrel family tree. You seen this? Yeah, yeah. The thing it's kind of based on uh, Carl Barks' oh duck hunt. It's amazing. It's amazing, and it, as I look at it, I'm just like, all I want to read, all I, all the comics I want for the rest of my life are Steve Wolfhard making comics about all these squirrels. This <laughs> <laughs> enormous squirrel family tree. I just want this whole world of his Cat Rackham comic to like become enormous um, mm-hmm. and just give me bajillion, like like the Dungeon series. I just want it to be like a thousand volumes when it's done. He needs to do um, a, He should do a dungeon book. They need to get him on one of those. God, he it would be. He would be really be amazing. good at He has the right like line quality too. For the, It wouldn't be too far out of there. Um, style thing. Well, they have like the the aesthetically they'll they they'll go off the beaten path. They did a book with Kilafer. The one with Menu, I didn't really like very much. The uh, Stefan. I think it was one of the monsters issues, maybe. Yeah, that's where they have most of the other folks. They did a uh, Stefan Blachette did one who is now he's the guy that had the real fancy style, right? Probably really he did like Zenith. He did the third Zenith volume. No, I think he was one of the, in, in one of the monsters. It's really you know, dark here. Yeah, yeah. Are you sure that's not the third Venus? I haven't. I where uh, where Herbert is getting older, but he's not yet the uh, what you call it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's totally the one. I'm totally right, dude. Oh. Uh, oh, but it's not Blanquet. It's Boulet. See. I'm not sure. Oh. I hope I'm not mispronouncing that name in French. Yeah, Boulet. Just one word, like Madonna. Yeah. Night Shyamalan. Wait, that's three words. Um, yes, uh, longer form comics. Um, Monday. I'm not ready yet. No. I'm. Um, I'm still. Yeah, I'm still. I'm still working on composition and blacks and drawing good. Um, which I think the story is harder than those things. So, um, I have those. Those things will germinate as I as I push through. I'm still a young cartoonist, Robin. You are. Doing it in a few years. You're, you're I'm new. A baby. You're, uh, you're, you, 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 you just need, uh, I don't know, Gerber for comic creators? I don't know. I'm like the opposite of Michael DeForge, where I started late and I'm very slow, as opposed to starting early and being incredible and fast. Dustin, your comics are excellent as well. I really like them. Um, right off the bat, like, seeing the Order of the Darbins off you, and I really like those, and... Um, there's something in your work that I find exciting. Hmm. It, it 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 like it's kind of the same way when reading like one of um, especially with the Darbins, like reading like the Chris Ware his sketchbooks. Not in right the, where they're just like almost like sound comics, like uh, little smidgens of things. Yeah, it's just there's a certain I don't know what it is that that brings the two together, but there is something there I kind of see. Where just, I You're get trying that to mend the fence with Chris Ware now after making that Floyd Farland comment. Um, is this your Chris Ware fear coming through? As I was saying, I kind of there's there's something kind of commonality uh, between the two, and I, I I can't really put my finger on it. Uh, maybe well, I it's three, but any comparison to Chris Ware, I'll take as a compliment of the highest order. There we go. Um, unless you were to compare me to like the Floyd Farland or something, am I right? Indeed, Dustin. Indeed. 
Well, oh, I smell that you're getting ready to hang up on me. Is that right? Shall we start saying our goodbyes? I think uh, I'm winding up the uh, the hour here, buddy. It's been a lot of fun. It's been I'm, fun. I'm really breathless at that one point. I can't wait to hear what that sounds like. Hey, man, so amazing. <laughs> like to fit in a little cardio, you know, in the middle of the... Uh, interview to keep things peppy there we go people should always be running when doing interviews yeah, always that's what abr stands for always be running am i right yeah um yep. remind folks uh diary comics darwin one and two inquired number one available on my site darwin.com you have to search around for it a little bit i'm still working out where to put it the links up, but uh just i'm messing with it today all right um, published by kiyama press kiyama press.com Dot com. Thank you so much, Dustin. Robin, it's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you very much for your time.